following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. reading from the Gospel of Luke, verses 13 to 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. And about seven miles from Jerusalem, as they were talking with each other about these things that had happened, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as soon as you walk? And they stood still looking sad, Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be delivered to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our own company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward the evening. And the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And as they found the eleven and those who were with them, gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. Amen. Thank you, Howard. What a great morning we've had already. Tatiana, thank you so much for your vulnerability. You know, it's hard, to, it's hard to get up here, uh, especially when you're not used to it, and to open your heart and to talk about the pain that you've experienced. But the beautiful hope of the gospel is that the resurrected Jesus meets us in our pain, that he does not overlook our pain, but that's where he meets us. The Holy Spirit is the one who hears the cry. The way to God is through tears. 
not through some intellectual exercise. And so if you're hurting today, I hope you'll hear some good news from a resurrected Jesus. Pray with me before we go to this text. Lord God, we need you this morning. Father, what we do has been done millions of times before. And every time we depend upon a fresh breeze of your spirit to have eyes to see and ears to hear the glorious hope of a resurrected Jesus. Because sometimes life, evil, suffering, pain, trauma can be louder than the music of the gospel. So I pray this morning that you would help us to hear the music of a resurrected Jesus. Oh God, please, may this be so much more than Richard speaking. But oh God, may it be your spirit empowering your word to give us the life for which we long, the hope for which we live, the light that we all need. Come, make much of Jesus. Lift him up in our hearts, we pray in his name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, let's just think for a minute. Let's just pretend for a minute. Some of you don't have to pretend that all of this is just fictional. It's just all made up. Jesus is not real, and the resurrection is, is not real. It, it, it was kind of put forth by uh, someone that, that really wanted to be an influencer, someone that wanted to make much of themselves. Uh, and I'm telling you, if that's the case, then I don't think this is how they would have written the story. If I were the one writing the fictional story, here's how, here are a few ways I might twist the, the, the details. I would have Jesus rise from the grave and tweet out from his own personal account, I'm back. Hashtag, I need my clothes back. Hashtag, tell mama I'll be home for dinner. Hashtag, how do you like me now? Or maybe I would have him, I, the scene would kind of go into Pilate in his dark bedroom. He's asleep. And Jesus walks in and taps on his shoulder, and he said, it didn't work. <laughs> or I would have Jesus appear in the Roman Colosseum, and the lines would be released, and Jesus would stand in the middle and calm them at his feet. And he would release the prisoners who were shaking, fearful that they were going to have to come out and face the gladiators. And then he would look up at Caesar and said, uh, move aside. And let the rightful king come up and take my throne. That's how I would do it. I think that's how most people would write a story, that they wanted to be convincing. And yet that's not at all what we read. We have this mysterious account of Jesus showing up to Cleopas. Cleopas. Who in the world was that? We don't know. We didn't hear about him before. We didn't hear about him after. Just some dude walking along the road. We see Mary Magdalene 
Crazy Mary is what she was probably known because she had seven demons. She was tortured in her spirit. We would have labeled her as mentally ill in our day until Jesus healed her. And not only was she crazy, but she was a woman, and a woman in that day did, could not, her testimony in court uh, would not hold up. It wasn't even valid, simply because of her gender. No one in their right mind would make Mary Magdalene a witness of the resurrection, and not even the, the apostles believed her. We read in verse 11, these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. They didn't even believe her. Only Peter who ran to look. He shows up to jo Joanna. Who in the world is Joanna? We read in Luke 8, 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. Oh, that's who you would write into the story. That, the, this is the cast that's going to convince the world that the Son of God was killed and raised to life. Why would you write it this way? The only answer is because it must have happened. And fiction wasn't even a literary style at that point. So if it happened, why would the story be crafted in this way? Why would God craft it in this way? Maybe, just maybe. He wanted to tell you and me this morning, the nobodies of the world, that He sees you, that He has time to come alongside you on the road, that He has time for you. Maybe what we're seeing here, loudly spoken, is that Jesus is more interested in showing up to and for you than showing out for fame. He's more about personal encounter than public spectacle. He wants to meet you right where you are. He sees you. He knows you. And He wants your heart, and He wants your mind. And that is so hard to believe. It's much easier to think it's fiction. But let's look at it. The first thing that is clear in this text is that Jesus will meet you on your road to nowhere, and that's exactly where Cleopas and this other disciple were heading. It wasn't so much that they were traveling to Emmaus. They were just getting out of Jerusalem because they were hurt they, they were in pain. We read in verse 17b, when Jesus came up to them, they stood still looking sad. They had left home. They'd left everything, and now they're going back home. Why? Because they had lost all hope. They had gone all in with Jesus, and Jesus had apparently let them down. It had been three days, they said. We waited. Nothing happened. We see in verse 21 what their hope was. We had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel. You see, in their minds, they thought Jesus was going to ride into town, take the rightful throne, lower the taxes, make food abundant, equality for everybody, life easier, and that was it. You see, they made an idol out of Jesus. They rewrote Him to be one that they wanted him to be. They didn't take him for who he revealed himself to be. And friends, we all do this to some extent. In fact, every culture has its own idols. Every generation and every individual, we all have our own idols. We are all writing a narrative that, that we want God to serve. And that's precisely what these two disciples were doing. 
What's the God of our age but sex? It's so obvious when sex is God, body image is king. This message, all you have to do is be beautiful, thin, or whatever the shape is. All you have to do is look this way, present yourself this way, and then you'll be accepted. And then you'll get the love that you long for. And this is a gospel that indeed is, is killing us, killing our young people. <laughs> because every false gospel will lead to death. Even the, even the, the, the soap companies, even those that are selling beauty prod, products are realizing the mistake of making body image king. Watch this commercial. A false gospel will kill you. A sixth grade girl this week in Memphis took her own life. I mean, why not? Maybe she wasn't born with the right size body. Maybe she didn't have the face that people told her she should have. Maybe she didn't, wasn't as smart as maybe others thought she should be. Maybe she didn't have this. Maybe she lacked that. Maybe it was just too much because she knew she couldn't live up to the gospel of our age, which is no gospel at all. Friends, Jesus redefines beauty because His love does not de depend upon your beauty. His love is not depending on who you are, but whose you are. Jesus has come for you. Jesus has come for me. And that is what we're after. That's what the gospel of this age is really after. It's be beautiful, be this, look like this, have these talents, whatever it is, make this amount of money. Why? That you might be accepted and loved. Love is what we all want. Acceptance is what we all want. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was at uh, the Grizz game, sitting up in 207. And I thought, what if right now, Ja Morant stopped everything and said, somebody bring me a mic. Richard Reeves, are you here today? Come on down, man. I would feel like the most significant human on the planet. What if Ja Morant singled me out of 20,000 people? Dear friends, what we heard from Tatiana was that the God of glory, the God of heaven and earth singled her out for his love. He singles us out with his love. He was singling some unknown disciple. And Jesus is screaming, I know your insignificance. I know your inner turmoil. I know you feel unlovable, but I have come for you. And I choose you because I love you. And I'm going to do everything to make you acceptable to the Father. We all want somebody famous to stop. We want the limo to stop. We, wanna, we don't want to have to be behind the rope clamoring for attention. We want the limo to stop and say, come on in. Well, we have a VIP invitation to God himself. He says, come all you who are weary and heavy laden. Not come all you who are beautiful and talented. Not come all you who deserve the scholarship. Come all you who are weary and heavy laden, who are done. For my burden is light. Jesus, the Son of God, by dying, would do more than become the king of Israel. Because through his rising, he would become the king of the universe. 
And that's what we need. God is always up to something at the road, on our road to nowhere. Do you feel like you're on a road to nowhere right now? Well, guess what? With Jesus, it's going somewhere. It's going to his heart. He frees us from having to be somebody by allowing us to be his. Are you his this morning? Secondly, the road with Jesus, as with any road, is filled with evil and suffering. Why, didn't the, why did the apostles abandon him? Why, I mean, why didn't uh, Cleopas and the other disciple remember the Scriptures? Why didn't they remember their Bible? It's the same reason I think most refuse to believe today, the problem of evil and suffering. We can't make sense out of it. How could Jesus, the Son of God, be arrested on false charges, trumped-up charges, be a victim of a bogus court, stand before a bogus judge, and be sentenced to death, and be executed publicly naked on a cross? How could anything good come out of that? And so that is where we stop. How could a loving God allow evil, death, and destruction? I saw a video this week. I got a lot of videos this morning, just two, this is the second one. But I saw a video this week, actually from N.T. Wright, that I think will help us understand. This woman in Ukraine, in her bombed out house, playing Chopin on her piano. Death and destruction all around. And friends, that's the perfect picture of the now and the not yet. That's the perfect picture of how the hope of Jesus presently moves us toward beauty and love and peace now. You see, Jesus frees and empowers his followers to live the life of the new heaven and the new earth in the now, though it's the not yet. We can live in light of the hope that we have. And as Tatiana, she basically preached my sermon this morning. As she said, life doesn't just all of a sudden start working out. No, but you have the love for which you long with you and in you. You have someone walking with you that you can trust, and you know the end from the beginning. The resurrection, and, and all that we see in this passage is really um, the power to live now as one day we might and will live. It's like watching the end of a movie and then going back and re-watching it. Now, I'm older than a lot of people in here, but Sixth Sense. I, I'm, who has seen that movie? All right. There we go, Sixth Sense. So, I'm going to totally ruin it uh, for those that haven't. Sorry, not sorry. You've had about 20 years, so. Um, so, Bruce Willis, the whole movie, you're watching it, and you're kind of confused, and he's talking, seems to be talking to people. But you get to the end, and it turns out he's actually dead. And you're like, whoa! All of that was kind of... So, you go back, and you watch it again. There is no way to watch Sixth Sense a second time the same way you watched it the first time. That is the resurrection. There's no way to know that Jesus went into the grave and came out on the third day exploding the power of death and sin. There is no way to see him on the cross and know that he is paying, atoning for, paying for the penalty of your sin. 
that he lived under the law so that you might stand before the Father simply through faith in his finished work as both righteous and forgiven, forgiven and righteous, that you are now King Jesus's, and he is the one who has accomplished your salvation, and you can trust him and follow him and submit to him. There is no way to, to believe the resurrection and live the same. So what about the resurrection? What do we see in this passage about the resurrection? Number one, we see, though we die, we live. Though Jesus died, he rose. And friends, that's exactly the hope that you have. That's what believers, that's what Christians believe. Though I die, I live. What is that like? I have no clue. But I know it's real. Because Jesus lived and died and rose again on the third day, just as was prophesied and declared through the prophets. Secondly, we see Jesus eating and drinking with his disciples. We see Jesus cares about the physical. I mean, what would happen? I see, you know, we have to get this in our heads. In two times in chapter 24, and we didn't read all the verses because I didn't think we had time, but read them. Finish out the chapter. It is powerful and good. And, and what we see is that Jesus eats with his disciples twice. First, Cleopas and the other disciple invite him in to eat, and Jesus breaks the bread, uh, pours the wine, and then their eyes are opened. That's mysterious. But then he, Jesus asks the eleven for food, and, and they give him fish. And what is happening here, what Jesus is revealing, is that in fact, we, life in the new heaven and the new earth will not be, un, will not be um, unrecognizable. It will be very recognizable. I mean, what would heaven be like? What would the new heaven and the new earth be like without food and drink? How much do we think? How many people got here early just so they could get a donut? There we go. And a free donut at that. No bill was brought to your table. That's glory. But it's so much more than that. Because it's not just food and drink. It's food and drink in the new heaven and the new earth when our bodies are free from sin. When you want everybody at the table. For some of you, you're dreading that family lunch this afternoon. Because of the trauma. Because of the pain. But in glory, you will want to be at the table. Because all will be reconciled. All relationships will be reconciled to the point that love is perfect and pure. And you know the kicker? Jesus will be at the table too. Hallelujah. The, the best one, the one that we were made by and for. Do you know why you love who you love? Because they are shadowing Jesus to you. They're like a mirror pointing toward him and then back to you and you're catching a glimpse. And you are attracted with, you can't even describe why you're in love. You can't even, you're just drawn. Oh, that's Jesus. That's because they're, they're reflecting Jesus to you. Because he is perfect humanity. Life, love, joy. He's everything. And then secondly, Jesus is more physical than ghost-like. We read in verses 37 through 38, they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. 
And Jesus said, why, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So Jesus is physical, and yet he's suddenly appearing and suddenly disappearing. He is not bound by the physical, though he is physical. He is better than physical, and that tells us something good. Namely, whatever you think heaven's going to be, it's better. I love C.S. Lewis's work on this. He talks about desires. He's done a lot of um, just thought work in human desiring. And, and he concludes this. He says, I think that God, you know, in light of the new heaven and the new earth and the hope of the gospel, finds our desires not too strong, but way too weak. Do you think you can't bring your desires to God? Do you think that you can't come? You think you're out desiring God? He's like, oh, you have no clue. Whatever it is that you're after, you're like playing in mud on a beautiful Caribbean beach. You're like choosing mud when there is glory to be had. Jesus is the essence of life and goodness. Jesus didn't say he would simply resurrect people. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he will live I am the entree. I am the end of everything. Every desire points to me, and you will have me. And you can have me now, and you'll have me forever. And that took Cleopas and the other disciple from walking with their heads hung low in sadness to this large, huge declaration in verse 34. They run from Emmaus back to Jerusalem seven miles, and they find the eleven, and they come in, and they, they declare, the Lord has risen indeed. And the disciples are like, what? What happened to you? The Lord has risen, and then Jesus comes in and appears to them. Their sadness is turned to joy because the message of the gospel becomes the reality of the gospel to them. Is the message of the gospel reality to you this morning? You say, I believed a long time ago. Yeah, but are you believing this morning? Do you have the joy and the love of God in you right now? That is what the power of the gospel provides, that you might live in that joy that you might have it permanently. As you know, I've lost three dear people that I love. I've probably said it every sermon the last, because it's on my mind. I lost my mother in December, my stepfather in January, and my, one of my best top three friends in February. But I can say, though they die, they live. Through the grief, through the trauma, I'm in counseling right now. Believe me, I understand the effects of death and evil and suffering. But I know this is not the end of the story. Because the story is that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and so will my mother, and so will my stepfather, and so will Kirk Atkinson, my friend. You get fired from a job, oh, God must not love me. No. God is enough, not your job. I lost my spouse. Oh, God is enough, not your spouse. I lost, I, 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 you know, I, I want to be married so bad. God is your spouse, not... God is enough. Jesus is enough. That is what the resurrected Jesus tells us. And how are we reminded about these things? Thirdly and finally, Jesus reveals himself along the road, in and through the Scriptures. One of the first things, this is fascinating to me, because one of the first things Jesus does after he's resurrected and he appears to Cleopas and this other disciple is he gives an Old Testament lecture 
Is that not insane? <laughs> I mean, it really is. And then the angels tell the women, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? They're quoting Luke 9.22, which Jesus said in Luke 9.22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Have you not read your Bible? It really is funny. And then in verses 44, I mean, um, Jesus chides the apostles and disciples. He, he, he chides Cleopas and the other disciple. He says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart. It's interesting to me he doesn't say slow of mind. Slow of heart. You know, I've found most of the time it's our trauma, not our intellect, that keeps us from Jesus. It's our trauma that keeps us from accepting the love of God, not our intellect. O oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then Cleopas and the disciple, after Jesus leaves them, turned to each other and said, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? Jesus was being more than some fundamental preacher, some Bible-tapping preacher. He was saying, I've not left you alone. I have clearly told you how to live life, what to look forward to, what to believe. The problem is not his revelation. The problem is that we typically come to the Bible not to, not to hear it, not to see it, but to make it say what we really want it to say. And Jesus is giving us a, a, a seminar in hermeneutics. Take it as it is. Let God's Word read you. Let God's Word expose God to you. Don't come to it and say, well, that can't be what he's saying. I mean, he, you can't die and rise. And I mean, that, there's no way anything good can come out of that. No, you've got to come, and you've got to believe, and you've got to press into it, especially when you're confused. The, the women were perplexed. Cleopas and, and the other disciple were sad. And what does Jesus do? He says, take my word and pour your heart into it. I broke my glasses a couple months ago, and I was with, about a month without glasses. And it was miserable. And I, I was driving to my optometrist's office to get these glasses, and I put them on, and I about kissed the man. I said, I don't know what this man believes or not. I said, I feel like the blind man that Jesus healed. I can see, I can see, and he just kind of smiled. That's how we have to go to the Scriptures. We have to say, God, help me see. I, I hear your promises. I see it, but, oh, would you give me the light of your countenance? Would you open your word to me? Will you help me believe because I don't believe? Will you meet me at the point of my skepticism because, oh, I am so skeptical? And you see, he tells us as well in verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He gives us another major hermeneutical principle, principle of interpretation, principle of how to read the Bible. Look for Jesus in every phrase. 
Because Jesus, it, the Scriptures point to Him. They reveal Him. Oh, how did the law of God, how did the Ten Commandments reveal Him? Number one, they revealed His character. But number two, they showed us that indeed we can't love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We will make idols. But oh, He came and obeyed the law in our place. Do you see? It's all about Jesus. It all points to Him. You say, Richard, I hear you, but I don't see Him. I want you to know this morning, it is perfectly legitimate to want to see Jesus if He's alive. And I'm telling you this morning, you, in fact, you have to have an encounter with Jesus to believe. That's what every believer has had. He has come to us. He has come to our spirits. He has come to our minds. He has come to us in the middle of a, a, a service like this. He has come to us in the middle of personal study. And He continues to come to us if we are His as we pour ourselves into His Word. Because that's where we meet Him. You say, it's been a long time since I've seen Jesus. Have you really been into His Word? Dear friends, if you have never accepted Christ this morning, then there's something that has been said this morning. If you have accepted Christ, but oh, your heart is just full of the music this morning, and yet you have burdens that you want others to carry with and for you. I'm going to have some of our elders and uh, just community group leaders to stand on the side. And if you want someone to pray with you, if you want to receive Christ for the first time, you don't have to come up. I never went up, but I just said, yes to you, Jesus. I believe this. I don't really understand why I believe this, but I believe this. And from that point forward has been a life of, of learning and ups and downs. If you want to begin your journey with Jesus, feel free to come up and talk to one of these leaders I wrote a little outline, and they're on the side for those that will come up and lead in prayer that you can take home that will help you uh, just kind of get the gospel story in your mind and heart. I put the names of our staff members and our emails on there as well that you can reach out to us that we might walk with you in this new life. But come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Quit living alone. Quit trying to do it yourself. It doesn't work. Quit believing the false gospels of this world. I can tell you how it's going to end, and it's not good. Come to Jesus. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you're just hurt and you feel alone, come and let one of these leaders pray with and for you. Don't walk out of here without offloading the burden of your heart on to someone else. Lord Jesus, thank you. Come by the power of your Spirit. Help us all to believe, oh God. I pray that you would convince us in the deepest recesses of our heart that you are alive and that you are life and that you've done it all for us and all we have to do is receive you. Oh God, I open my heart this morning and say, I choose you because I know you've chosen me. Thank you for your love, oh God. Thank you that you know my heart in the dark, long nights, and you're with me, and you're for me, and I know where it all ends. Oh, God, I pray that my brothers and sisters in this place would know this morning. Do your work in us, oh, God. Move us to faith, bold faith, oh, God. Do it for your glory. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He is the living word. Amen. Yes, God.
let us down yesterday, but Jesus didn't. Amen. Amen. And nor will he ever. Let's lift our hands and receive the benediction. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the countenance of his face to you and give you peace. Go in peace, dear friends. Happy Easter.